Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, welcome to Steel Wars. I am comedian Steel Saunders and I do love Star Wars. Please enjoy this classic clip, which is available in full at patreon.com forward slash Steel Wars. I think a lot of Star Wars fans most relate you with is on the 1995 re-release of uh, the Star Wars films. They sold 25 million cassettes. It's quite revolutionary at the time. You did DVD extras before DVD. Well, sort of, yeah. I mean, uh, I interviewed George Lucas uh, uh, at some length, and they cut the interviews down to about seven minutes each, uh, one for each uh, episode of the trilogy. And I was hoping they would use more or release the whole interview intact, and I couldn't get anybody interested in doing that. Fox on video just didn't care about it, and I even pitched it to George at one point, and he wasn't uninterested but he didn't pursue it Mm. well as someone that watched those interviews like i'm sure many people are listening right now over and over and over the fact that there was a lot like it was i think it was frustrating for me it's just like you only talk to him for that long like Mm. there's more questions surely there's more (laughs) questions but how did that interview come about that that you were uh, oh it's just just a total fluke a total fluke um, Entertainment Tonight had sent me up to do our first interview with George Lucas up to Skywalker Ranch. And that was a memorable day in my life. First off, to visit the ranch was just mind-blowing. It's hallowed ground. It, it, it's, and it's also, it happens to be my taste. He built on the property an idealized, oversized Victorian mansion. I love it. He lined the walls with the work of great American illustrators like Norman Rockwell. I love it. Uh, He actually installed a wood, not just a woodworking shop, but a mill where uh, on the property when they were building and and, uh, finishing the the, the house. Uh, And I love wood. I love, you know, piece, uh, you know, artistic and creative use of wood. And that's all you get there in that house. Uh, so it just, you know, I didn't want to come home. I told my wife, I'm, I'm never leaving. <laughs> I'm staying here. It's just too beautiful. How did George think about that decision? Uh, w- well, uh, they escorted me off the property at the proper time, <laughs> so I think you have your answer. But we, we, we seemed to hit it off. And so and, that was the first time you'd met him? Or? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then uh, subsequently I've spent <laughs> many occasions, many different locations, uh, I rode the Indiana Jones ride with him on opening day for E.T., which was interesting because I don't do thrill rides, and I had to keep my cool uh, as as we were being bounced about and rocked (laughs) back and forth. 
because the camera was facing us during the whole ride. Yeah. The camera guy was in the front seat of the car. And that's a very fun ride. Us. Yeah. That would have been the best episode of Entertainment Tonight ever. <laughs> <laughs> Watching me try not to throw up. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I ran into him once in Hawaii. Um, uh, one, I teach a class at USC, uh, and, you know, and he is a very engaged and involved, uh, you know, alum, alumnus of the USC cinema school. And he wrote a check for $175 million, $175 million to build a new campus and a new headquarters for the cinema department. Uh, I can only assume that was on a very big oversized novelty check <laughs> <laughs> just to get all those zeros. I in. think, I think you could, you could assume that. And, um, one night in my class, I have a very large class where we, we screen new movies and have the filmmakers there for questions and answers. And one night during our break, uh, a nice uh, uh, girl, teenage girl, came up to me to say hello. She said, uh, I just want to introduce myself. My name's Katie. I said, hi, Katie. She said, I'm really enjoying the class. I said, I'm very glad. I said, are you a film major? She said, yeah. She said, I think you may know my father. I said, <laughs> really? What's his name? She says, well, George Lucas. Like, yeah, I think I know your father. Yeah. <laughs> I once went to Disneyland with him. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Fox Home Video yeah. approached me about, about would I do this. And actually, we shot it twice. We shot it once here in Hollywood at the Raleigh Studios, and they hadn't allowed enough time. He was running a little late. He had a plane to catch to get back to Northern California. And... Um, so we we had to end somewhat abruptly, and a week or two later, I got a call saying uh, he's not happy because he, there was more he wanted to discuss. And would you be willing to fly up here to redo the interview? I said absolutely. So they flew me up in a private plane, and <laughs> and we did a m much longer version of the interview. Watching it over and over, because for those that maybe have not seen it, and we'll, we'll link to the videos, I, I know the official Star Wars site put them up on YouTube uh, kind of recently. The It was before he had done the special editions, and he yes. was just uh, piecing together the prequel films. Yep. And it was just, it was so exciting just to have him talking about it. that, And it was like, it's in his head. It's, yeah. it's in his head. He knows what it is. Yeah. And I always pictured you after you finished recording, just like going, so tell us what's, you know, <laughs> what was Obi-Wan Kenobi really up to? Like, <laughs> um, so the, those videos were marketed as the, the final time Star Wars would be released in that version. Mm -hmm. And then what came was the the special editions, which he, mm -hmm. he he mentioned in those interviews with the the edition of the Jabba the Hutt scene and and such and such. Now, um, for someone who is a film historian like yourself, how do you feel about the the sort of uh, the special editioning and the the revising of, of films? My only my only uh, quarrel, if that's quite the word, with this idea is. If they don't allow you to see the original version as well, mm -hmm. uh, it's a filmmaker's prerogative to to tinker with his own film or her own film. William Friedkin did it with The Exorcist. Francis Coppola did it with Apocalypse Now. Others have done it as well. And if that's their preferred version, okay, 
That's their preferred version. But I, I wish we could also see the original in each of those cases. In some cases, you can now. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's uh, George's bat and George's ball. So, uh, you know, he, he can do whatever he pleases. And he, he said by the time they finished shooting the first film, he was embarrassed by the, by the visual effects. Mm. Uh, they, they'd made so much progress. They'd learned so much that he, it wasn't years later that he felt, you know, they, they weren't uh, uh, as good as they should be. It was right away he felt that. Mm. So uh, he acted on that, uh, on that feeling. Yeah, it's interesting that, like, I think that the limitations that he faced in, in making the first film were embarrassing to him, mm-hmm. that, you know, things weren't, towns weren't as populated as he'd mm-hmm. like them to be. But it was, it was almost like the limitations was what helped us fall in love with the film, mm-hmm. that it was sort of a bit, you know, it was a big epic, but it was in mm-hmm. this small, quaint Mm-hmm. you know, country town almost. Mm-hmm. And I sort of equate it to like if the girl that you had a, a huge crush on in high school like gets a nose job mm-hmm. and you're like, but I loved you. That, like yeah, you yeah. weren't perfect, but that's how, like I thought you were gorgeous. Yeah. But that's not how she saw herself. Exactly. Aren't we being metaphoric? We are. Yeah. Well, that's what films are all about. Yes. I guess what people, you know, you, you say you've interacted with George a fair few times. You know, as Star Wars fans are always fascinated with this man that, in a way, we've made into a, a deity almost. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. he's, you know, he's so revered. I guess the question is, what is he like? George is. Um, he's been awfully nice to me, and awfully generous to me. Um, always. I just interviewed him on stage last, well, uh, yeah, early this year, actually, in January at the Sundance Film Festival. I interviewed him and Robert Redford together on stage. I watched that yesterday. And uh, so I spent some time with him and his, and his wife backstage, which mm-hmm. was fun, fun to meet her. She's an interesting woman in her own right. And uh, she showed me a wonderful picture of George asleep in bed with their baby. <laughs> Very sweet. Um, and... Uh, uh, you know he's um, he's a you know he 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 still bears the scars i think of having been rejected by hollywood in his early years uh by by the uh some of the studios and some of the studio execs uh the idea that he only got to make american graffiti because his mentor francis coppola uh sort of guaranteed that he would step in if need be mm-hmm. and save the picture because they didn't trust George. Um, the fact that Fox had so little enthusiasm in the way they were selling and promoting Star Wars, which of course turned around and made him a, a multimillionaire because they gave him back the merchandising rights. Uh, so he, uh, he, you know, he talks about that very readily. Uh, and then the Directors Guild giving him grief uh, on Empire Strikes Back uh, by not having the director's uh, possessive credit at the beginning of the picture. Irving Kirshner, you know, uh, came at the end of the picture. Mm. And now it's done very often, but in those days it was considered verboten. So he quit the director's guild. And, you know, certainly... And that was because of sort of like the Star Wars style book of yeah. there's no credits at yeah. the beginning. 
And, uh, you know, it certainly, you know, didn't hurt him any. <laughs> uh, but in that interview, he did, he was very keen to take the, the occasional pot shot at, like, at studio executives. Oh, yeah. He's, yeah. yeah, he has no hesitation in doing that at all. Not at all. But he's, he's kind of a cool, reserved kind of guy. I think he's very private. Always has been. And... Um, so he doesn't he doesn't reveal a great deal. Do you think he's private by nature or yeah. or because of the intense interest in No, him? no, no. I think I think uh, you know per, he was a I think he was probably an introverted uh child and young man and and he remains essentially an introvert. He's not a garrulous person. He, he can talk and does. Mm. If you watch that interview in Sundance, you know, he's he's very articulate. Um but I, I think that uh, being in the spotlight is not his favorite thing. Yeah. To hear the full episode, along with hundreds of hours of bonus content, I would invite you to check out the Steel Wars Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Steel Wars. For just $3 a month, you get a dedicated RSS feed that easily pastes into any podcast app you use, sending the complete archives of Steel Wars episodes along with bonus Patreon exclusives like movie commentaries, Q&As, and shows like the Making Steel Wars show, which I make exclusively for Patreon members with Jason Ward of MakingStarWars.net, where we try to find the news behind the news. Plus, you'll get the bonus segments from the call-in shows, which sometimes can be over an hour. And as well as all the bonus content, you get that warm glow that you are supporting this show you listen to each week. The idea behind Patreon is if lots of people chip in a little bit of cash, that content producers such as myself can still keep producing for you guys while still being able to feed our very cute Ewok-looking cats. There's a hungry cat involved in this, guys as well as some sweet, sweet content. Check out all the super fun tiers and all the shows you're missing out on at patreon.com forward slash Steel Wars. And may that force be with you. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. 
But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.